for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP understands that there are so many elements to a manufacturer's business. Whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or unlocking their growth that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. Every episode, take a journey with us as we talk with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in the Northeast, Southeast, Central or Western regions of the Commonwealth. Every episode will explain more about manufacturing and what's happening in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I am your co host, Kevin Tata. Title's back. Yep, title's back. Every other one, I think. Is that what it is? Well, it's a new year. New year, new me. Oh, exciting, Kevin. I like this. This is good. This is good. Yeah. yeah. So co-host Kevin Tata. Yep, mm-hmm. that's me. I like that's how me. you took your time. You like eased into it. You took a couple episodes before you were mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to really just, and then you just took charge. Yeah. Then I got the title and now, mm-hmm. now it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. Promotion. Promotion. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I'll, sure. I'll see that. Yeah, we'll go salary. with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll see yeah. that in my salary, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, Perfect. yeah it's Perfect. right up there. Listen, how about this? How about you put it on your resume? And it'll, it'll it. just give you a little boost. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that'll work. Mm-hmm. There's your promotion on it. So, yes, yeah. we're uh, so we're back. So, we, uh, January 2024, first episode of the year. Uh, it's a it's exciting for us because we're changing a little bit this year in 2024. Not only right. is it a new you, Kevin, but it's a new Mass MEP podcast. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of new things to come. Yeah, people are like, mm, still the same host though. The other one's still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. hopefully we're looking for a change in that department. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're low on a budget this year, so you guys. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So uh, we are, we're back. We're going to do some new, a new twist this year for the podcast, two episodes a month. We will be focusing on a specific topic each month that we've heard from the manufacturers of things that's important to them, what they need to hear. And then the second episode of the month, a recap of the month to kind of give you the lowdown on where we've been, what we've done. And if there's any new information we think is valuable for the audience to listen to. So we will be releasing them each month. But without further ado, uh, we do have two guests with us today. They're very new with us, and we're thankful uh, that they would take some time out to join us. So I would like to introduce you to John Kovach. And John, I asked him, I said, what would you like for me to use for your title? And his title is semi-retired consultant. I'm not quite sure where the semi part falls into that, John, because you're obviously on the podcast with us. So Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's uh, great to be here today. Yeah. So how do you classify semi-retired? So I officially retired from my position with my last employer. And after uh, several weeks, I realized that I really missed uh, all the excitement of work. And so I, uh, I I put my toe back in the water and now I'm doing some training, consulting, and the good news is I can set my hours, how much I work, and so on. So um, I call it semi, semi-retired. semi I like it. You're re- you you're really boss. are living the dream. 
Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the I'm the boss. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, welcome. We're glad that you're here with us. Uh, also with us, uh, our very own Olivia Antonelli, and Olivia is our supply chain program specialist. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Happy to be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, Kevin, you ready? Let's do the icebreaker. All right, Haley, I am ready. So first question I have for you guys today is if you had one round trip in a time machine, would you want to go back into the past or go into the future? So one round trip, meaning that you um, can go to that certain point in time, and then maybe we'll give you like a day in that time, and then you come back, you know? So which, and and why do you choose that, the past or future? This is a good question. I have a pretty specific answer. I can start off. <clears throat> I would like to go into the past to see how the pyramids were built. I would love to see that. I'm very fascinated into how those people could move tons and tons of stone and get it uniform like that. It's a spectacular miracle, honestly. So I would love to see how they were built. Solid answer. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm a big history fan. So my knee-jerk reaction is I think I'd like to go back in time, um, back in history. Um, and there's a lot of interesting periods of time I wouldn't mind, uh, wouldn't mind seeing. But I might just be happy with going back to the 1970s because I think, uh, you know, we had the best cars, the best music, and uh, the most fun. So I, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Oh, I love That's that. Great answer. Great answer, yeah. John. I love it. What era of music is the 70s? Is that Leonard Skinner or my are they a little later? Yeah, they're probably a little yeah. later. I mean, you know, the Beatles were very popular, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, yeah. uh, the Bee Gees was the you know, it was yeah. just the beginning of disco. So yeah. 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 That's a great answer. Great time. Yeah. Liv, what do you got? I think I'd have a different answer if I thought about this for longer, but I will also go with my knee-jerk reaction, and it's music-based. Um, one of my all-time favorite singers is Patsy Cline. I just think her voice is harrowing and beautiful. Um, so I think if I could go back and just sit in one of her shows, ideally with my grandmother, who was arguably the biggest Patsy Cline fan that I know, mm-hmm. that that would be the round trip that I would take Patsy Klein concert with uh, my grandmother, Dorothy Antonelli. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. That is really good. I love it. Um, I have a hard time with this one, Kevin. I'm not, I I think I'm the complete opposite. Um, and for me, I probably would say the future. Um, I don't like surprises, so <laughs> I would like to be able to know maybe a little bit about what to expect. I feel at this point in my life, I've had enough surprises, so uh, <laughs> I know they're just going to keep coming, John. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, yeah, just because, um, you know, as morbid as the thought may be, I just would like to be able to see where my kids end up and to make sure that they're in mm. a good place. You know, and, and uh, you know, my 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 uh my parents, 
you know, like I know their past and where they grew up and, you know, maybe what I love to know a little bit more about it, but I've been very fortunate that, um, my family is still all living and very, you know, well, so I think I would, I would go to the future. Yeah. I think I would, I would do it to the future and I would just have to be really, really quiet and not touch anything. Cause I know I would touch something and then it would mess up the whole continuum of time. Yeah. Who knows how it works. All right. Who knows? <laughs> I thought you were going to go like to the Super Bowl, come back and then bet the house on the winner. You know? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's what you're gonna do. A little Marty McFly action. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Back to the future. Seeing it. Yeah. That's a great one. That's a good idea. Yeah. I may now that you said that. Uh, I just, go. I really just didn't think it was real and I was really going to get the opportunity. <laughs> but now that you put that in my head, I, I might yeah, run really. with that one. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's good. So we brought the two of you here today because obviously uh, a couple of years ago, the big word was supply chain and we saw, we heard, we knew something was going to shift and was going to happen. And so we thought it's still there. It's still a part of our day-to-day. It's still a part of the manufacturer's day-to-day and ours being mass MEP and then also ours as being just people in general and how we're affected by it every day. So we thought let's bring in the experts so you can talk to us about this. And I know, John, this is where you uh, have a lot of experience. And so if we're talking about supply chain and the big, big, big picture of supply chain, when we talk about what is it really and like, what is it on a global scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So it's, um, it, it is the network of companies network of participants that are involved in delivering products and services all the way from the raw material uh, sources all the way out to the final end customers. And now folks are starting to include um, the reverse supply chain. So things coming back, uh, back to the original manufacturers and also the waste stream. So that's, it's a much more comprehensive way of thinking about the supply chain, I think, than we have in the past. Yeah, that's, so it is very big. And I think when we try to uh, talk about supply chain, there are a lot of the manufacturers that we work with it. I don't think they realize that it extends that far and it does Mm. go that far of a reach. Uh, we obviously have seen, and you you gave us this great article, and you sent it to us. Very, I mean, the content's fantastic, and it's interesting in reading this. But in the the article that you sent over, um, we talked. There are some. You said it, and it stated that there have been small impacts over time that have made subtle ripples in the supply chain, but 2020 changed the course of the world with the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was very different with how it created three rounds of disruption is what you have state and that they made more, which one of them still will be making waves heading, you know, for the future as well. Can you go over that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, anytime there's a disruption in the supply chain, we typically call that a shock. And we've had plenty of experience with small shocks, things like the ever given uh, freighter being stuck in the Suez Canal is a good example. And uh, everyone acknowledged COVID-19 pandemic as a shock, 
but I kind of gained a perspective that um, its impacts are still being felt in the three different waves that I see or three different rounds of disruption I see, where number one was the immediate reaction and work stoppage. So factories shut down, people that remained open took uh, precautions, their factories weren't as efficient as they were under normal circumstances. And we kind of got through that. But then uh, that what I think did was the shortage of, of workers, a shortage of work, it exaggerated what happens from time to time, that being the bullwhip effect. And I think that COVID-19 really exaggerated the bullwhip effect. And I think we're really now in a, where we're, we're, we're coming, we're dealing with uh, the resolution of that bullwhip effect. And we see companies that are seeing a reduction in demand, people are starting, uh, companies are starting to lay people off. We have bloated inventories around, uh, around certain parts of the supply chain. But the third wave or third round of impact that I see is that it's really changed the workforce and it's also changed the way uh, participants in the supply chain interact. And I think it's gonna be a while before we, we get over some of those impacts. Uh, collaboration and teamwork are gonna be more, more challenging because we, we're spending less time in the office uh, we're doing less meeting. Um, and I think companies are still in a position of just trying to survive some of the earlier impacts of, of COVID-19. Does that, yeah. that make sense? That address your, your question? Yeah, absolutely. Totally did. That's perfect. Yeah, so how about we scale it back a little bit to our audience at hand right now? Obviously, we're located in Massachusetts, and this is a question for both of you. Um, what does the supply chain look like today in Massachusetts? Whoever well, I can start, kick this off, and kind of piggyback off of, of John's earlier statements. Um, and in our manufacturers just dealing with the the impacts from COVID, you know, it's it's been three years since 2020, but but things are still, uh, you know, there's still pain points in some areas. So, you know, in speaking with our clients and asking them about their biggest pain points, you know, it's struggling to to find certain materials or certain components. It's, you know, being faced with a, a price increase and, you know, they're not sure where else to go to or they feel like offshoring is their only solution because of uh, because of um, uh, price increases um, by purchasing it in the U.S. So, you know, those are some things that we hear about when we're talking to our clients. And I think, you know, maybe some of those issues were going on prior to the pandemic, but of course, there's certainly more now than, than ever before. And it's as an MEP center, um, you know, not just in Massachusetts, but across the U.S., we're now trying to utilize our resources uh, to put forth solutions to manufacturers to help them find suppliers for whatever the reason might be, um, because it's it's not as easy to find people uh, and figure out exactly what they do as, as you might think. And mm -hmm. typically, I'll ask our clients, I say, okay, so what do you do when you experience a disruption? Where do you go to? And I get uh, Google or ThomasNet. And it, it just blows my mind that that is oftentimes, or more often than not, the solution that I hear. And I just think, hey, it's 2023. There has to be a better option out there. Um, and that's what we as MEP centers are working on right now, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later on. 
John, you have in here, so something to what Olivia said, which was very good. And I think I read this. She made the statement. I can't find where you wrote. It was written in this article, but you, it is written in here somewhere about what there was underlying things that were then surfaced, kind of like they rose to the top because of this. Do you feel that uh, a lot of those have been exposed now more so than before and that we're is that a new area where we have to start to try to find solutions for because they've just been buried for so long uh well i think i think what what covid 19 did was it really exaggerated existing problems um and it did in fact create some new problems um i think companies lost uh, uh lost the ability to address improvement initiatives they, they they kind of became a second priority to just surviving the shortage of materials the shortage of workers uh and in some cases we had unprecedented unprecedented demand for certain products uh so activities relative to uh improvement initiatives kind of got put uh, by the wayside and i also think what covid did is um it might have broken some new practices that we had had put in place so we lost progress i think those were some of the ways that it impacted us and and i think today we're in a place where um we're we're in a rebalancing of demand and supply i think demand and supply across the entire supply chain and individual company supply chains got so out of whack that we're now we're now starting to rebalance things balancing our inventory levels our resources um, our, our outlook for demand and so on. And, um, so I, th- I think that's where the current state of, of supply chain is. I, I agree with you, John, and I want to build on, um, you know, it's, it's great that we're rebalancing so many things um, and that things are coming back. And I also think that if, if we're to take any, any light out of uh, the pandemic in terms of supply chain disruptions and what we experienced um, from an MEP center perspective, I think it really exposed how little we know about our manufacturers' capabilities. Um, And so, you know, right now, as we're trying to look at Massachusetts as a whole and figure out, you know, what are our biggest sectors and biggest industries, there was a study done in 2017, um, the National Association of Manufacturers, and they could drill down into Massachusetts' top 10 industries. um, And the top three I'll highlight were the computer and electronic products, chemical products, fabricated metal, and that's great. Um, and, you know, we have some big overarching themes, but it's really difficult to drill down into exactly what our manufacturers can do and what capabilities uh, they have and what equipment they have. And we know that during COVID, that was so key in identifying manufacturers that could pivot, you know, breweries then pivoting and producing hand sanitizer or a company that was, you know, making some type of plastic product, then maybe pivoting to produce some type of PPE. So, you know, it's critical that we know what our manufacturers can do and what their capabilities are so that way we can help mitigate some of these disruptions and put forth, you know, kind of things in place to help prevent and overcome challenges that we have. Um, that being said, again, that information is few and far between. So at the start of um, this year, the Biden-Harris administration had put forth a pretty substantial amount of funding uh, that was allotted to MEP centers. And with that funding, MEP centers had to do, there's like five different pillars that you had to hit 
um, or that they want us to hit operating under this two-year grant. And one of those things is collecting and analyzing um, supplier capabilities uh, and supplier capacity data. And I just think that that's going to be so critical as we move forward, um, you know, just understanding what our manufacturers can really do. So that way we know, you know, what capabilities we have within the United States. And in some situations, what do we have to offshore? Because it's not just, you know, it's not done in the U.S. I think it's interesting that you say that because I almost wonder if it's a result. So did the manufacturers know and understand what they were capable of doing before that as well? And so is this something where if we wouldn't have had this happen as awful as it may have been, would we have continued to go down this path of manufacturing? And would we have, you know, would this have ever you kind of the shock, like, I like how they use the word shock. I feel like that almost is it's, it's key to having that happen in some situations. And now this result is great. Look where we are and look what we're needing to do. So it's just, it's really chicken before the egg, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Right. Is that what this is? There's certainly an emphasis, I think, to that point, Haley, of of onshoring. That's a huge point of focus right now. You know, what can we onshore? Because we've been so reliant on getting some things overseas for so long. Um, and a, a huge thing right now is the Build America, Buy America Act, um, which is, um, you know, a lot of construction projects or federally funded projects going on in the United States. Any materials um, or products that are going to be used in that construction, 55% of those components are now required by law to be manufactured in the United States. If uh, there's certainly some things, you know, that uh, you can apply for a waiver and things like that. But I think that that Build America by America Act is a reflection on our new focus of onshoring in United States manufacturing. So is that is that where the supply chain is headed in the future? Is this like Build and Buy American Act? That's where you think? I think there's certainly a focus uh, on that right now, um, but perhaps John, maybe you can speak to you know where you're seeing supply chain headed as well. That's kind of the patterns we're seeing within the MEP centers right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is uh, a very welcome development um, by America Build America. Um, and I think right now, um, given what happened with tariffs and some of the geo, uh, geopolitical problems around the globe. Um, it makes a lot of sense, uh, both uh, for our economies um, and for our security to, to do more manufacturing in the United States. However, we live in a global economy and um, some parts of the world do some things better than we do. And our customers are gonna be located in a global economy. So I think um, once again, this is gonna be a balance of let's do the things here that make a lot of sense to do here, mm -hmm. but let's also take advantage of resources around the globe where it makes sense. Um, you know, I think we made this mistake back uh, in the early 2000s when China really opened up to uh, uh, a free market uh, economy and everybody ran to China with everything. And I was, uh, I was working for 
a contract manufacturer in the U.S., and we saw some of our products go to China. That just didn't make sense, given their bulk, given the need for quick delivery lead times. But people kind of just followed that uh, because that that seemed like the next big direction to go. And so I think it's a balance. I think, uh, as I said, we're going to have to look at how do we how do we operate our supply chains in a global economy while satisfying some of the other things you talked about. So I have to ask you this, John, because I think that's very interesting, that statement. Sorry, Kevin. I it, When you say um, where it makes sense, how do you figure that out? You know what I mean? Like what goes into that to say, where does it make sense? And is there a point where we overlook that and just focus on, no, it just needs to be here, here, here. And then could that cause an implosion to some effect? Yeah, well, I, I think it, I think it always, it always depends. Um, right. You know, uh, no matter how we think about it, there are, there are economies in the world or workforces in the world that work for lower labels than than we could possibly pay in the United States. And there's some things that just don't require high levels of skilled labor. So for example, that makes really good sense to put in a low cost labor environment. And, and Mexico is a very interesting alternative to China now because of its closeness, uh, its difference in time, time zones, things of that nature. Um, but again, as I said, it, it just doesn't make sense to try to put low skilled labor task in a high cost labor, high, high cost labor workforce. And so we're going to have to, you know, have to look at those, those things as we go forward. And so every, every case is going to depend, depend on the circumstance. Cool. Totally. Um, so what is, John, what is your perspective on supply chain as a, as a semi-retired consultant, and then also versus being a manufacturer back then? Um, well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know um, how much it's changed um, right. since, you know, it's interesting that uh, when I'm doing training, uh, I think I get a pretty interesting perspective on where companies are, a much more honest perspective on where companies are um, than, than in another circumstance. And, you know, what I see is, um, Companies are companies are struggling right now, uh, struggling with some of the things that Olivia referred to, understanding where they can possibly get materials, where can they get reliable supply of materials, high quality at the prices they need. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I just think it's going to be a, a, a very dynamic environment for quite a while. You know, I think I think our supply chains have gotten more complex than they were before because of that notion of a global economy and competition around the world. Um, and I think we're going to have to learn how to deal with uh, that complexity by doing things like um, risk management, de-risking of our, of our supply chains. That's perfect. Good, good transition there for us, John. I like that. So <laughs> Olivia, um, obviously, there are resources that we offer as a state, and then there's resources that we offer as a center. So mm -hmm. would you like to elaborate uh, on those for the audience, please? Sure. 
so I spoke earlier about um, some of the funding that came out of um, the Biden-Harris administration um, in relation to, you know, optimizing our supply chain um, at the domestic level. And, and with that funding, one of the things that we wanted to do for our manufacturers was provide them with a resource to locate suppliers like John was just talking about, because it, it, is, it is so difficult and there's not one single searchable solution to find who you're looking for. Um, and so we purchased a license to a platform called Connects Marketplace, and then the division within our state is Connects Massachusetts. So all Massachusetts manufacturers with our license can register for this platform for free, and it allows them to do a couple things. One, it allows them to build out a comprehensive profile uh, that really drills down into their capabilities, uh, all the way down into their processes, equipment, uh, services that they offer, really, you name it, something that their uh, company does, it can be reflected on their profile. And this is critical because another component to Connects, in addition to having a built out profile, is having the ability to search. Uh, search for materials, search, search for components, equipment, anything. You can go into Connects and search for it and then really filter down into maybe location or maybe you only want to look for companies with a certain ISO certification. Um, you know, that way you're, you maybe are guaranteed quality depending on what you're looking for. And um, so it's it's a great platform that allows you know, manufacturers to connect with other manufacturers. That is who the platform is designed for. And that's really who is only allowed in at this time. Um, and what I mean by that is as a licensed owner to this platform, the MEP center is in control of who gets in. So when we see that somebody's trying to register, I can quickly determine uh, by looking at their Dun & Bradstreet profile, by figuring out if they have a manufacturing NAICS code, whether or not they're a manufacturer. Um, because sometimes we'll get some service providers, I think looking for a new client base and they try and try and get in. Um, but that's not the purpose of this platform. It's to be a tool for manufacturers and allow them to connect with one another. Um, and I'll add one more piece about connects. Um, in addition to having a built-out profile to kind of market or showcase your business, in addition to being able to search, there's a piece of Connects called the Exchange Center. And that's where manufacturers can specifically put out an RFQ, RFP, RFI for, for a specific thing that they're looking for. Um, so we had a company that was looking for orthopedic medical device packaging, and they put out a post in Connects. They highlighted the details of this packaging, um, a certain ISO certification that they were looking for in correlation with it. And in a matter of 24 hours, um, I believe they got over 10 responses. And um, yeah, so it's it's a great tool that you know you can highlight what it is that you're looking for. And if somebody else in Connects, or this is what happened, other manufacturers saw that post, hey, a company in Massachusetts is looking for this. This aligns with my business and it's two clicks. They respond to them and now they're connected with one another. Um, so that's Connects Massachusetts. And again, it's it's free at the state level to Massachusetts manufacturers. And you have the option if you want to conduct a search in the platform and see manufacturers across the United States um, that comes with a $500 a year subscription. Um, but at the very least, we're, we're highly encouraging all Massachusetts manufacturers to get in there and create an account um, to start showcasing their business.
So their investment is really their time and building out their, their profile. Yeah. want to bump up to that connects the, at the connects above connects Massachusetts going at the national level. Yes. Yep. And this is so critical, you know, not only, not only does it help them showcase what they do and, and find potential opportunities within the exchange center, but I spoke earlier on how difficult it, it can be to find people. Um, and that's something that I deal with. Uh, um, that's something that I experience at Mass MEP. Uh, we have something that's also called the Supplier Scouting Network, where every MEP center has um, a full-time employee that is designated for one, putting forth um, a supplier scouting request that one of their manufacturers might need. So if one of their manufacturers is struggling to find a component or material, they can contact their MEP center and then that MEP center can put forth what we call a supplier scouting request. Mm -hmm. And then every MEP center throughout the US, so all 50 centers, so 51 actually, plus Puerto Rico, is notified, hey, a company in this state is looking for this, here are the specs. And then we are responsible for our identifying whether or not we have somebody in our state that can meet that request. I typically, or if it wasn't for Connects, I'd have to rely on Google. I'd have to rely on ThomasNet, um, things that aren't you know, reliable and robust. So now I can go into Connects and search for whatever it is that they're looking for. If our manufacturer has a nicely built out profile, it's really easy to see whether or not that opportunity is a match for them. Um, so in addition to Connects, that's a resource that we have. And then that supplier scouting network is something that we can do for our manufacturers. That's great. So two two resources just with us that we're absolutely. That's awesome. I love it. Good. All right, I have one more question for you, and then I realize we're gonna have to circle back. Um, so I the last question I have, uh, and either of you can answer this. I have something too that that comes to my my head when I say this. Um, is there anything right now about supply chain that maybe isn't in their view right now uh, that should be moving into the future? I think one of the key things I keep taking back from the discussion today is the pivoting and the manufacturers knowing is something along the lines of a contingency plan. Was that something that people thought of before? Or again, was that a result of what came from this? Is that something that maybe more manufacturers should be thinking about? Or is there is it could it just be an abundant different things depending on what manufacturing you're in? Uh, you know, I, I see three three things actually that I think um are, are going to get more and more attention. And you just touched on one of them. Um, and that is kind of contingency planning. And I think, I think most companies do good contingency planning for issues within their four walls or within their organization. Mm -hmm. I don't think yet they've started thinking about how do we do um, how do we do contingency planning across the entire supply chain, which kind of leads us into collaborating across the supply chain. And um, I don't think we're yet at a point where we fully recognize that the entire supply chain would do well. Um, 
when everyone collaborates and shares information and works together uh, against uh, towards towards uh, problems. And you know, I think we're still a little bit in a in a zero sum game as we look across participants in the su supply chain. And and two other things that I see coming um, that I haven't spent a lot of time on yet is number one. Um, the threats of cybersecurity. I know since I've retired, mm -hmm. um, I've worked with two companies or I've, I've been involved with two companies that have had uh, ransom attacks and their operations have been disrupted for many weeks to try to, to, try to unravel this. So I think that's a real, a real serious challenge for manufacturers. And the third one is, is gonna be decarbonizing the supply chain. I think we're going to see um, much more pressure from, from customers, employees, the community, um, and investors to get more uh, serious about decarbonizing the supply chain. And I don't think a lot of companies have really thought a lot about that yet. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, those are good. That's good, John. I like this. You've given us... Um, content we can work with. Uh, we will be doing an episode this year regarding cybersecurity. We're heavily involved in that. And we work with a couple of different organizations. We have um, we one of our groups that we work with is Cinejax. Um, and John Sinopoli and Pete are usually uh, more in our user, our usual guests with us. And one of our episodes this year we will be focusing on will be cybersecurity. Um, a little differently, though, in a perspective, and it might be similar to this and what you're referring to. Um, we'll look at it at this level in regards to supply chain. We usually look at it at the level of um, the DOD manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? But this is a, it's a very valid and real occurrence that's happening every day in manufacturing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys uh, for joining us today. I think, you know, it seems as though whenever we have some kind of a, I, I do really like the whole, the shock, uh, whenever something like that happens, I do feel as though there's always a silver lining that comes out of it as much as there may be some very negatives and things, but I mean, you know, we talk about the time and back and forth and um, history, you know, you talk about history, John, and, you know, we, we learn from that. So I feel like this is something that we learn from that, which hopefully will help us. We obviously all deal with continuous improvement every single day, and that's our goal. Uh, and so hopefully having this type of information regarding supply chain, giving them three potential new areas they should be considering and looking into is going to be helpful uh, for their continuous improvement, meaning the manufacturers, and also for ours and what we're doing to find more resources, you know, to help them and, and to um, make their worlds a little bit easier as a manufacturer in Massachusetts. And then hopefully, like you said, knowing where is the best places to onshore and where are the best places to offshore and kind of figuring that out. And maybe that's something that will come along to us one day too. Maybe that'll be an area where we'll be a part of that and we'll be able to help with that. Uh, but right now, obviously anybody can always reach out to us um, at MassMEP and, and we'll help them 
go right on our website. I mean, Connects is right on our website. So um, you can go right into the website and get into Connects. I think the key, key piece about that, that is, if anybody's listening that's not in it, is that you need to really hear is it's very clean and it's very choiced in who goes into it. Like you said, Olivia, you know, it isn't something where it's just a database and you submit your information and send and it's out there in, in the connects connects averse. You know, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's it's filtered and it's very specific and it's very um moderated as to what can get put through it. So it's a valuable tool. So for those that can jump into it, uh, we would recommend that they do it, but they can access that. Uh, anytime. And I think Olivia, um, she's always available. Mm -hmm. Have some, you know, time if you ever had any questions or needed to reach out, set some time up to meet with her. That would be a point in time to, uh, to do that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Happy to help. Good. Well, thank you both for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Conversation was, uh, very, very interesting. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good. I'm glad you liked it. So hopefully everybody else did. And thanks everyone for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcast, or you can always go to our website at massmep.org. We'll see you next time, whether it's in our space, your space, or cyberspace.